Morning, Cornerstone Church. Thank you, guys. <laughs> that was amazing. These are the guys that went on our, our last trip to Mexico. I love you guys so much. Thanks for the confidence booster. <laughs> hey, uh, if we haven't met, my name is Mark, and I'm the missions pastor here, and I'm so honored to be able to say that and, and really thrilled to be able to share with you today. And while the truth is, I would much rather be out with you guys uh, down in Mexico building a home or out in the community serving our neighbors. There comes a time where you gotta grab the microphone and tell stories about building homes in Mexico and stories about going into the community. And so uh, I'm excited for this message to share with you today. And I want us to start off by imagining what it would have been like to be with Jesus, like literally with Jesus, with your feet in the same dirt as him, going around with him, and you're watching him perform miracle after miracle. You're watching him lay his hands on people and their eyes are opened. The dead are raised, right? He's walking on water. He's calming storms with his voice, and you're right there. Not only there, but he's encouraging you to be a part of it and to do the same. Imagine what that would be like. And after hundreds of years of all these prophecies coming true, you're right there as history is changing before your very eyes. But then imagine what it would have felt like to then see your Savior arrested right in front of you, and tortured and hung on a cross and killed. Whatever you thought the plan was, it would have been shattered in every way. And so imagine what that would feel like. But then you find out that the tombstone had been moved and the grave was empty. It was, he was no longer in there. Jesus had been raised from the dead. And that is so amazing, right? But what a, what a roller coaster of emotions. And he gathers people together and he was gonna share one final major commandment to them. And so you know that they were anticipating what that would have been like. What is he gonna say? And so now we know that it's called the Great Commission and we see it in scripture in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Jesus ascends into heaven and you're sitting there watching that happen. Like, how amazing. But then I would have been asking myself, now what, <laughs> right? Now what? But rather than taking us forward in the story of what we see in the book of Acts and what the disciples did, I wanna take us backwards a little bit to the beginning of the book of John when Jesus is calling the disciples in the first place. In John 1, 35 through 39, it says, the next day John, that's John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the, two, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed him, and Jesus, turning around, asked them, what do you want, right? What a good question. Like, why are you following me? What, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus didn't give them directions to a destination. He gave them a, a call and instructions to go on a journey with him. Honestly, he doesn't say, oh, if you take the third, you know, olive tree branch to the right, like, he doesn't give a physical destination. He says, come, and you will see. 
And I love that immediately the disciples uh, began to follow him, and not only that, but tell others about him as well. Later on in that chapter, Philip and Nathaniel are together, uh, and Nathaniel is the one who found out that Jesus was from Nazareth and famously said, Nazareth, what good could come from there, right? Can anything good come from this place? And I love Philip's response. He just says, well, come and see. Come and see. And Jesus continued to call out disciples and they began to follow him. And he didn't call the elite of the elite. He called the ordinary of the ordinary, the average of the average, those who didn't make the cut. And you guys, that gives me so much comfort to know that Jesus is okay with ordinary people and then using them to do extraordinary things when they say yes to him. Because I know my past, I know my struggles, and, and Jesus does too, and that doesn't disqualify me from somehow being able to be used, and not only be used, but to encourage others. And I wanna tell you today that the same is true for you. He sees you, right? He didn't stop seeing people after the disciples. He still sees you, and he loves you, and he accepts you right where you're at, and, and yet he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. But today, might you might wanna just here for some of you that before we get into any of this being sent business, that you are seen, that he sees you. But man, when you say yes, you become part of this great commission. And, and I want to first say that you are seen, but second, let's flip the script really quickly and ask, are we seeing others as God sees them? Are we seeing others as he sees us? How many times have you overlooked the people in your lives or ignored them? Or maybe you looked directly at them and nitpicked every single thing about them. See, looking is not the same thing as seeing. I know this because I wear glasses and so those of us with glasses can relate. But if I were to take these off, I would be looking at a group of people, but I wouldn't be able to see all your beautiful faces, right? And there's another level there that's even deeper is to perceive what's going on, to perceive what's going on in a situation or in someone's life. To perceive means to attain an awareness or an understanding. And Jesus proved this all the time, right? With the, with the lepers, they, they formed like a colony and they were outcasts and people were used to ignoring them. Jesus sees them and goes to them where they're at and he lays his hands on them and heals them. With the woman that was caught in adultery, those who had taken her brought her and they saw an opportunity to trap Jesus, but they saw a woman that had committed adultery and they were literally there with rocks in their hands ready to throw them at her until she was dead. But Jesus, who was there, saw all of that as well, but he saw something different. He saw an opportunity to tell them about the sin in their life, but he bends down with her where she's at naked and ready to be killed for what she's done. And he sees her and he sees something different. He sees a child of God that has a new identity in him if she would believe in him and call out to him and he gives her a new future. When the disciples saw crowds, they saw a burden, honestly, but Jesus saw an opportunity to teach so many people about the kingdom of heaven. When others see children as a distraction, try to get them to go the other directions. Jesus calls them out and says, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. The, the kingdom of heaven belongs to these. In fact, you need to become like these children. And guess what? We can do the same kind of stuff in our lives. You can do the same things in your life. 
over the course of two trips to Mexico, <laughs> I saw a lot of people raise their hand and say, I want to go, right? I want to do what it takes to set aside my, my calendar and ask for work off and save some money or raise money and go on this missions trip. And that was awesome enough. But then while we were there, I got to watch every single person go out of their way to love on those kids that we were there to build a home for or maybe speak words of encouragement to that single mom and just to love her right where she was at and build her up. And we had a team that we were supporting there, a crew, and I watched people just go out of their way to, to love on them too and, and develop some deep friendships. At our city serve earlier this year, we had over 200 people raise your hands, not even knowing what you were gonna do necessarily, and yet you showed up out there and we handed you ideas of what you could go do. And you know, we went out in the community and were able to partner with a lot of nonprofits and do a lot of good works in that one day. But honestly, I think it starts in the heart. right? We don't do that stuff just to pat ourselves on the back and say, yay, good for me. You did a good deed, right? It's much, much deeper than that. And when our hearts are transformed, it changes the way that we see people. It changes how we see our circumstances. It changes what we hear and the motivations of our heart determine where we take our steps and where we don't go. It changes everything. One pivotal moment in my life was my first trip to Tanzania that's in East Africa. It was about 10 years ago. Uh, and we went out to this really, really rural village and we preached and we, we taught, we like worshiped and, and had a blast. But afterwards, our team was sitting in the church and just kind of eating and, and talking with the pastor. Everybody's already out in the village. Uh, and they brought a little girl in from the, from the back kind of side area of this little kind of mud church. And they asked us just to pray for her. And so he said, absolutely, we'll pray for her. But you could tell she was an outcast because they brought her in outside at the very, very end. So where was she before? I don't know. But she had a head covering over her, over her head and, and, and sores on her face and her eyes glazed over. And she couldn't see it, it well or if at all. Uh, but we began to pray for her and she began to say in Swahili, like words that basically said, I feel a warm wind on my face. And let me tell you, there was no wind in this tiny little church. It was warm, but no wind. So we knew God was doing something. So we continued to pray. And she said, I feel like a heat over my face. And so we knew God was definitely at work. And so we invited the children in to the church. And we said, you kids, lay your hands on your friend and pray for her. And they began to pray for her. And all of a sudden she looks up and she says, oh my goodness, I can see. I can see. Her eyes were opened up right in front of me, which is a miracle in and of itself. But here's part two, is that they went outside and they began to play. And I took a picture of her. She's on the left-hand side there and she's smiling and she's accepted back into the community. Uh, and I realized that while she might've been blind and now she can see, maybe it was actually the community that was blind and now they can see her, right? Because they, they had her, her basically hidden in a different area. But it was so awesome to just watch them playing around. And, and you know that Jesus got all the glory that day and people were talking about the name of Jesus, wanting to know more about him. And I don't have time to go into how I ended up in global missions uh, today, but two things had to happen. First, I had to take a look at scripture and see what it was saying about stuff like this. And second, I had to say yes, right? I could have just continued to say no, but I said yes. And so a great place to start is John 3.16. 
It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God sent the son. And later on in John 17, verses 18, now Jesus is praying to the father. He says, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Just a couple of verses later in 20 through 22, he's praying for all believers now. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I love that Jesus goes beyond just praying for the disciples and actually praying for those whom they would reach and whom those they would reach, right? As they're faithful to the call that he has given to them. And the second thing, like I said, I had to say yes in order to move forward in this journey. And thanks to uh, some prayer and my, my wife is already stirring in her heart um, and I was a little bit slower to get on board, uh, but we... Be, we began to pray and I had a moment of like extreme clarity with, with God. And, and I believe that he was calling us to ask just to send us anywhere in the whole world, like anywhere we will say yes to it. And so we prayed about it. We had uh, some mentorship with somebody who is literally in this room right now, all those years ago. And you know who you are, bro. <laughs> I would not be here without you and your mentorship. But we ended up moving uh, to a country called Papua New Guinea about a year later. Uh, we, we lived there for a year in this jungle and, um, and, and we did a lot, of, a lot of really awesome things. But man, the, what I, my big takeaway that God shattered the way that we looked at the world, our understanding of how relationships work and, and how you know, we interact with one another and especially how we experience God. We were far, far away in this, in this village living there for some time. And we were the first white people that they had ever even seen for the most part, a couple of people of the elderly, like had seen a couple of people at one point. And yet we went to this local church, this local body of believers, and they're singing hymns in their language. And we had learned some of the language that so we're singing, but we're singing in English as well and realizing, oh my goodness, God is so big. He's here right now. And he's still back at home and he's, oh my goodness, God is everywhere. <laughs> right? And yet he's so intimately involved in every single one of our lives. It's amazing. So we learned a lot that year, but we, we learned how many out there know about Jesus, but also how many people don't know about Jesus. have never even heard the name of Jesus. They have no scripture in their language. And yet scripture is full of people who said yes to being sent. And I'm not just talking about the New Testament. I'm talking about the Old Testament too, baby. <laughs> God used them. He sent Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. He sent Moses to deliver his people. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And Joseph was sent to Egypt. Those are his words, not mine. I had to read it a couple of times in Genesis 45 because his, his brother sold him into slavery and he goes through all this ups and downs and prisons and he finds himself on the other side in Egypt. They come back to him and he says, you didn't send me here, God sent me here. And so maybe you're out there and, and this can encourage you to know that, you know, somehow I know that bad circumstances have happened in our life. And I guarantee that every single one of us can relate to that in this room, that bad circumstances have happened that are not ideal, but somehow God has a way of using those things and, and shaping you in perhaps in, in a new way that you could be used like never before because of those. 
but there's no guarantee of safety when you follow Jesus. But we are called to go and to make disciples, to be his ambassadors, to be his representatives. The truth is, is that Jesus could have easily just said, go, therefore, and hide. Please go and hide because you're probably going to mess this thing up anyways, right? But he doesn't. He, and not only does he not say that, he goes way further and he says uh, that they will do even greater things than these. I love Romans 10, chap, uh, chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, which is awesome. <laughs> how then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, in every country that I go to, I still have a lot of relationships with churches in a lot of different countries that my wife and I work in through our nonprofit. And one of the things that we always do is we bring this verse and we encourage them and we equip them and mobilize them and say, God wants you to be his hands and feet in your own communities, right? So we ask them to think creatively and to pray about ways to make a difference there. It's not me going there to do work other than encouraging and equipping them. And it's much more impactful and much more long lasting that way. And, and we'll show some pictures of some, some of the things that I've seen and, and there's stories for days, <laughs> but in Rwanda, uh, the, the, there was a flood and then there was a landslide that happened after that and took out homes, like a lot of homes. And so I asked the pastor, how do you think we can respond to this? What's on your heart? And he says, I would love to build a couple of homes for, for these families, even just one home. And so we partnered with him to do that. In the Philippines, there's a lot of typhoons. And so there's a lot of relief work to be done. We do longer lasting development work too, but it's amazing to see how God has worked through the local churches there who come and gather food. They buy food in, in bulk and then they go out and hand deliver uh, groceries out to people where they're at. And they say, God loves you. He sees you. I'm so sorry that you're in this situation, right? And people show up the next Sunday, not because somebody handed them a bag of rice, but because someone told them that God sees them. And they say, you got to tell me about this God who sees me. In Belize, we're seeing sports ministry being used in a powerful way to meet children where they're at. And when you win the children, you win the families and you get to know what's going on in their lives. And one of my favorite days ever in Tanzania, uh, we lived there for, for three years, um, we did this huge food relief and, and the soccer outreach. It was, God was doing a huge work in all of those churches, uh, unifying them and having one, one vision. And then I encouraged them like, go and do something out in the community. And so they came up with this brilliant idea. Well, well, there's a famine in the area. So let's go and invite everybody to come and grab some food, no matter what, what tribe they're from, no matter what language they speak, no matter what religion that they follow. And then we'll encourage them to go out and play soccer and have fun, right? But the target kind of audience of that soccer tournament was obviously to have fun, but we really wanted to reach these young men that are out there abusing drugs and they're abusing women and, and just living a lifestyle that is, you know, not wonderful. But rather than, than trying to wait for them to show up to church, they brought church to them by a soccer tournament. And so you can see my friend Francis, uh, it's my best friend right there. He's holding up uh, this blue soccer ball that never goes flat. So they were really stoked about that. The winning team got that ball. 
But we gathered them in a circle. It was, it was an epic moment, honestly. Uh, but we did not preach at them or anything. We just said, God loves you. Like, I'm glad you guys had fun today. If you have any questions about life or anything, let us know. And the very next day, like I thought it would take a while, <laughs> but the very next day, about 10 of those guys on one of those teams came up to the local pastor and they said, we want to know who Jesus is. And they got saved right then and there and they are now plugged into their church and being discipled. See, God saw them where they were at. And we know that, but God used the local church to go and meet them where they were at. So they had to think outside the box. They had to think creatively. And so as we bring it back into Wildemar, into this room, you know, I honestly think that when we look at scripture like this, we, we, we get it. We're like, I, I get it. You know, that makes sense. But some of you might be saying, like, Pastor Mark, you have no idea who I am, what I've, what I've done, like for reals, like I don't deserve to be used. I can't be used. And the truth is, is that Jesus isn't afraid of the sin in your life. He's okay with accepting you where you're at and moving you to a new place where you can be healed of those things and be used as well. So you might need to have a conversation with God, honestly, about what's holding you back. Is it expectations or too much stuff or too busy of a schedule? Have a conversation with God about that. But what I love about this church is that we have life groups that are so awesome and so healthy and they're out there on the patio. So get involved in a life group so you can go through life with other people. You don't have to go through it alone. We have a powerful Celebrate Recovery program where there's testimonies every week, testimony after testimony. I talk with Alan uh, in our discipleship group and he's like, man, God is moving every week. And because people are willing to go there and, and, and to walk through their, their hangups with, uh, with others in community. But know that when you say yes, it puts you at the starting line, not at the finish, uh, at the finish line, right? It doesn't mean that we're done. It means that we're just beginning too many of us feel like we're, we're drowning in life and, and, and we, we come to know Jesus and we're saved. It's like somebody threw a life jacket at us or, or a life you know, raft or something and we find ourselves clinging to it, thankful. Yes, I am saved. It feels so wonderful to be saved. But before long, you start complaining about that, right? You start getting maybe comfortable and you're like, I wish that there was more padding on this. <laughs> I wish there was some Wi-Fi around here, right? And you start to take it for granted. And then you, we find other people that are in the same place. And then we form a nice little social club and, and we start to gather. And before you know it, you've created the safest life imaginable and this cruise line of going through life insulated from the world around us. When actually, what if we were on mission where we tore down all of those walls and we, we remembered what it was like to feel saved and we went out and reached people where they were at as they were drowning and help them to experience that as well. We have the answer right here and we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We gotta move from making a decision for Christ to making disciples of all nations. From making a decision to be baptized to discipling others. This is an amazing moment, right? So many people just got baptized in this service. And we made a decision, yes, to follow Jesus, to be baptized. But what will you do after today? Those who got baptized, what will you do this afternoon? What will you do tomorrow? It's too good to keep to yourself. We want to see this thing continue to be filled with people every time that we do it. 
It's too good to keep it to yourself. And I have a story to illustrate it. Uh, one of my daughters, uh, Zoe, she was seven months old or eight months old when we moved to Tanzania and we spent three years there. So she got to see a lot. We had another baby, uh, Gracie, spent one year of her life there, but Zoe got to see and, and be a part of a lot and they still do to this day when we go back um, they got to see, you know, what it's like to help people with electricity that have absolutely no uh, access to electricity. And we have a picture of a guy holding water. We do a lot of water projects and, and help people to have just the basic necessity of clean water. And I'll ask you a question, which one would you rather drink, right? Which cup would you rather drink? And Zoe was a part of that. In fact, she helped name one of the outreaches, like yummy water is better than yucky water. <laughs> I love that. But man, when we moved back to Tanzania, she, or back to America, uh, she had a lot of questions about what was going on in this America place, right? She would ask like, what's that? Uh, it's a dryer. Well, that's what the sun is for, you know? <laughs> She'd ask, what's carpet? Like, what's it, air conditioning? She's still kind of learning what's, what stuff is, honestly, even though she's almost nine. But we were visiting this church in, in Colorado Springs and she points at this box sticking out of the wall and she goes, dad, what's that? And I said, well, if you push the button, water's gonna come out of it. And she goes, that's not a thing, dad. <laughs> Three-year-old, that's not a thing. And I said, no, you can trust me, baby. You push that button, water's gonna come out and you can drink it. So she leans over it and stands on the stool and looks at me suspiciously. Dad, you liar, you know. Pushes the button and all of a sudden water shoots her in the face. She gets shot all over the place and she puts her hand over like this. And I took a picture of her right there. And immediately she goes, we gotta tell grandma. <laughs> we, we gotta tell papa, right? <laughs> my parents are here today. Um, but yeah, she goes, we gotta tell my cousins. We gotta tell my friends. We gotta tell everybody about this. There's water coming out of the wall and you can drink it. It's not dirty. The things we take for granted. But here's the deal. Jesus is the living water. And once you've tasted that living water, nothing else satisfies. You know that you're finally satisfied forever. And yet we have a world that's out there trying to quench their thirst in every way imaginable except for Jesus. And those of, who, of us who have experienced that, we gotta tell others about it. It's too good not to. See, he saved us from our sins, but he saved us for so much more, so much more to experience on this side of heaven. And I've talked with Cornerstone people or about people about Cornerstone for the last year as I've been here. And, and I ask them, you know, what church do you go to? And they say the same. And I say Cornerstone. They go, oh yeah, that's the big building on the freeway, right? And I go, yeah, it's the big building. But I, after a year of this, I'm like, it almost agitates me. And I love, I, lo I love this church. But I was like, what if, what if one day any single one of us that's out in the community and we have a conversation with somebody and they say, what church do you go to? And you say Cornerstone and they go, ah, those are the people who showed up when I was running from domestic abuse and they did a Bible study. Those are the people who came and gave me food in the park when I was homeless. Thank you. Those are the people who mentored me when I was in a hard time. Those are the people. May we be known as the people of Cornerstone and not just the big building. And don't get me wrong, I love this building. My kids are being discipled right now. We're in here having a great conversation. Things happen throughout the week. But God has positioned you to be a messenger for him, 
where you're at in your life. You're gonna have to look at your priority list and figure out where all of this fits into your priority list and where you actually fit in to the Great Commission. And you might be thinking, oh, it's a tree I should have planted 20 years ago. It's too late. Well, that's, that's probably true. But you know when the second best time to plant a tree is? Today. Today is a good day to say yes, to start. And I love that God is not waiting for us to be perfect. He's waiting for us to be surrendered, to say, I am available. And to prove that I missed the mark, I'm gonna tell a story again about my, my daughter. They, they sure keep life interesting. <laughs> I went to Target with them to just buy some frozen pizza because I was feeling lazy and my wife was on the other side of the country. And we, we roll up into Target and they see this girl on her phone crying outside and they unbuckle their buckles and they go up in front and they go, dad, look at that lady. What are we going to do? <laughs> and shame on me. I was like, immediately making excuses. I said, oh, she's on the phone. I don't want to interrupt her. She's a girl. I don't want to like uh, scare her, even though I had my cute girls with me. And immediately Zoe calls me out on it. She goes, some job you have, dad. <laughs> Missions pastor. You're willing to go all the way to Tanzania to help people, but not target. And I just was like, oh, snap. So true, Zoe. Thank you so much for that. And so if you're target lady, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm still learning from my kids. They're better at this than I am. But, you know, you don't have to go far to make a difference. I encourage you to do that. But uh, don't be afraid to be used in your own neighborhoods. And this year, we've had a lot of success here at Cornerstone. We had, like I said, 200 people at our city serve. We raised a mountain of food out there for food insecure families. You've gone out and prayed for people. We've done picnics in the parks with adults with special needs, and we've sent teams to, to Mexico and to Costa Rica as well, and we're just getting started. And so we've been working hard on creating one website with one link that has a lot of different options of what's coming up, like some actual tangible action points for you. And so I think you're going to want to text the word missions to our, our church number. Uh, and in your app right now, there's links to every single thing. Registrations are open right? We have uh, an event going on, like several of them actually in October with Trunk or Treats where we're going to be meeting people out in the community. We have, you know, we're, we need to grow our, our team so you can join me in, in serving and coming up with ideas. We're going to have a missions night on November 9th where we're going to have free food and free childcare and food for the kids. So it'll be a hot date, I promise but it'll be a chance where we can actually unpack some of the stories of what God has done in Mexico and Costa Rica and in our own local communities. We have trips to Mexico, one trip, one trip to Costa Rica, and I can finally announce that I'm gonna be taking a team to Tanzania next year, and we're gonna have an interest meeting. Ah, See, everybody, jump on it. Get on it quick. And I'm gonna be flying Francis here and his whole family, hopefully, if we can get the visas and so they can be a part of that interest meeting. But I want to bring it back to where we started here. I, I don't want to lose focus on all of this other stuff. And I want to really just bring it back to being with Jesus. Bring it back to Jesus, right? Remember what he's done, what he's accomplished on the cross and through his death and through his resurrection. Imagine that you're right there with Jesus and you've heard this great commission. You know that you have a part to play in it. But the question is, is, will you say yes? Will you say yes? 
And what will happen on the other side of your yes, I have no idea. I have a feeling it's gonna be awesome. But I do believe that Jesus is still saying today to each and every one of us, that once you say yes, you can come and see what he has in store. I wanna encourage you to do that. And we got work to do. So would you guys bow your heads and, and pray with me this morning? Lord, we, we, we thank you for this message and um, we, we, we love being a part of such an awesome, amazing, generous church. People who want to go and be the church. May we be known for those that go. May we be known for those who bring your love and your forgiveness and compassion to people who would otherwise never even have a conversation with you. And that we get to be a part of this great commission. Help us to find our roles in that here at this church or elsewhere, Lord. May we be scattered after this and go love on people where they're at. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, there's a prayer team up here. They're come up if you guys need prayer. Have a good day.